Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Let's Give Them Something to Talk About edition as we discuss the verbal diarrhea being spewed from coast to coast about the Bengals and the possible number one pick in April's draft, Joe Burrow. And yes, I said verbal diarrhea. A Dan Horde rant is coming up. And with the NFL scouting combine a little more than a week away, I'll pick the brain of the Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. The combine, by the way, will be the Bengals' first opportunity to sit in a room and have an extended conversation with Joe Burrow and many of the top prospects in this year's draft. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Blow Pops. So I got home from work last night, and sitting at my desk was a grape blow pop, courtesy of my 13-year-old son. You remember the blow pop. It's two treats in one, a hard candy shell with a chewy bubble gum center. It's the Charms Candy Company's best-selling product of all time, and I can see why they've been making kids and dentists very happy for more than half a century. Now let's get to football. By now, I'm guessing you've heard or read stories suggesting that Joe Burrow does not want to play for the Bengals or that the Heisman Trophy winner shouldn't want to play for the Bengals. Let's start with the first part, the notion that the LSU quarterback does not want to play in Cincinnati. I've listened to three recent interviews featuring Joe Burrow. He was on the Pardon My Take podcast in December, the day after winning the Heisman, And he did two national radio shows during Super Bowl week, the Dan Patrick Show and the Rich Eisen Show. I recommend listening to all three interviews, especially the part in my take interview from December 16th, where Joe shares some great stories about his two years at LSU. It's at the very end of a long podcast. In all three interviews, Burrow speaks enthusiastically about potentially being the number one overall pick in this year's draft. The only possible thing that could raise any doubts about his desire to play for the Bengals happened on the Dan Patrick Show on January 31st, when Patrick asked if being the number one pick or going to the right team is most important. Burrow answered as follows, a combination of both. You want to go number one, but you also want to go to a great organization that's committed to winning, committed to winning Super Bowls. Because he didn't specifically say, I want to go number one and be the guy that turns things around in Cincinnati, members of the media have their story and they are running wild with it. And their logic usually goes as follows. Carson Palmer quit the Bengals and since retiring has questioned their commitment to winning. Joe Burrow is training for the draft under Carson's brother, Jordan Palmer. A plus B equals clickbait. Never mind that a few weeks ago, Burrow said the following to Bloomberg News, quote, whoever wants to pay me the money to play the game of football, I'll play for him. It doesn't matter to me. Or 
that in mid-January, his dad, Jimmy Burrow, said in a radio interview, quote, If the Bengals do draft him, he's going to be happy. He'll look at it as a challenge, but he'll be confident that eventually they can win a lot of games there in Cincinnati. Now, I don't know about you, but I trust Joe's dad more than I trust Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Still, that didn't stop PFT from using the following headline on February 8th. Does Joe Burrow hope the Bengals don't draft him? They followed that headline with 634 words on the subject when they could have gone with four. We have no idea. Media outlets have a lot of time and space to fill between now and the draft, and they're always looking for stories with sizzle. Thankfully, there's a chance that this one will die soon. It's standard operating procedure for the top draft prospects to hold a news conference at the NFL Scouting Combine, which gets underway a week from Sunday. Here's hoping Joe Burrow buries this story much like he buried Oklahoma in the national semifinal game when he threw seven touchdown passes in the first half. Now let's get to the second notion that media outlets are hammering, that Joe Burrow shouldn't want to play for the Bengals. Listen, I get it. The team hasn't won a playoff game since January of 1991, and they've certainly made their share of mistakes since their five-year playoff streak ended in 2015. But it wasn't that long ago that the Bengals were being widely praised for their astute roster building. It took me all of about a five-minute Google search to find the following four stories. NFL.com, August of 2012. Cincinnati Bengals suddenly resemble a model franchise. Cincinnati Enquirer, October of 2015. The Bengals became the beacon of consistency and a role model for roster construction. CBS Sports, also October of 2015. Agents Take, how the Bengals turned into one of the NFL's model franchises. Yahoo Sports, June of 2016. Bengals might have the deepest roster in the NFL. I'm sure I could have found a dozen more stories from that time period that basically say the same thing. So what's happened since? Well, the Bengals had a bad draft in 2015. Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher didn't work out, making the departure of Andrew Whitworth especially damaging. Then in the next four drafts, they had brutal luck with their first-round picks, as Will Jackson, John Ross, Billy Price, and Jonah Williams missed much or all of their rookie seasons. And while the Bengals historically have not gone after high-priced free agents, they basically did that two years ago when they picked up Cordy Glenn. Technically, it was a trade, but Cordy had three years left on one of the priciest offensive line deals in the NFL when the Bengals acquired him. This year, he spent nearly two months in concussion protocol. Now, I've been broadcasting the games for nine years. In that time frame, the Bengals are one of only 10 teams to make the playoffs five times. Their winning percentage, despite going 2-14 this year, still ranks 13th best in the NFL. None of that is good enough. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. And with the first pick in this year's draft, the Bengals are in a position to acquire the type of player that can ultimately help them get there. 
All right, let's get to this week's guest. Mike Potts is the Bengals Director of College Scouting. He joined the team in 2015 after spending four years working in the scouting department for the Atlanta Falcons. With the Combine coming up shortly, followed by on-campus pro days, I thought it would be a great time to pick his brain about the process of putting together this year's draft class. Mike, the NFL Scouting Combine begins in a little more than a week. Does having the number one overall pick raise the stakes or change anything about the Combine from your perspective? I mean, I think it makes it a lot more important, obviously, for us because you you don't want to be picking at that spot every year. Hopefully, we're never picking there again. It's obviously a rough season that you have to go through to get to that point, but that's the spot that we're in. And uh, to answer your question, it it is important. You know, you can obviously narrow it down to fewer guys, um, as opposed to if you're picking, you know, at the latter half of the first round. There's a lot more guys that you have to have ranked and see how the board falls. So. It is easier to narrow it down to to a smaller number of guys, but um, it's it's obviously um, a pick where you're, where you're going to want a difference making guy that can that can change the franchise for you. So so it's obviously a very important selection for us, and we're going to do all the homework that we need to do to make sure we make the right choice. You mentioned having guys ranked last year, for example, when you're taking the 11th choice. You can list guys one through 11, and then when it's your pick, maybe number four is still there, maybe number six is still there, whatever. That helps you make your choice at number 11. You've got number one this year, but you've also got number 33. So will you do a one through 33 in preparation for that second pick? We will, and, and even further, you know, we'll, we're, as of right now, we're picking at 65 at the top of the third round, and then we'll see exactly what our number is going to be at the top of the fourth round because there will be some compensatory selections there that end, end up getting released here over the next several weeks as far as, um, you know, at the, at the end of the third round. So that will push us back a, a little bit from that traditional, what it would be the 97th spot. We may be at 100 or something like that. Um, but we'll, we'll probably stack the board uh, up to at least our, our fourth-round pick mm-hmm. And then there's there's a lot of moving parts from there, you know, depending on what you take at one or 33, or if you move around, if you trade up, if you trade back, you may address certain positions, and then we'll readdress, or I'm, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll reorder the board there from there as far as uh, by position, and you know, we may value a certain position over over another one according to what we did on day one of the draft. We're speaking to the Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. From your perspective, what is the most valuable part? of the combine? I think it's the medicals, hmm. for sure. Um, you know, to, to get that many 300 and some players all in the same spot, and Indianapolis is a phenomenal location for it. The logistics and, you know, everything that they have ironed out uh, for, for doing it there for a long time is, is uh, you know, they, they really do a great job with it. And that's that's the majority of the information we, we get is the uh, the medical. That's the that's the, the most important thing I would say. And then and then from there, the interviews dialing in on, on who these players are as people. You know, we talk to their coaches. We talk to their support staff when we go through these schools uh, as scouts on visits. But it's, uh, you know, it means a lot more looking the, the player in the eye and, and hearing it from them. So that, that part of it is, is big. And then all, all obviously the athletic testing is, is a huge part of it but if I had to if I had to say one was the, the you know the most beneficial thing that we get out of it it would be the medical it's a good follow-up to my next question because the staff got to coach some of the top prospects at the senior bowl including quarterback Justin Herbert but Joe Burrow Tua Tunga Vailoa 
Chase Young and some of the other top candidates for the draft were not in Mobile. Will this be your first opportunity or the team's first opportunity to sit in a room and visit with those guys? It will be, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes as a scout, when you go through to a smaller school, they'll bring that player. They may only have one prospect, and they'll bring that player in to talk to you face-to-face during the fall. But it's not that way, you know, when, when you're at a big SEC, ACC, Big Ten type of school, you know, they have, you know, sometimes 15 to, to 20 prospects that, that could end up having a chance of getting drafted. So, you know, that's that's not the way it works. So, so yeah, this combine is, is the first time we will get a chance to talk to the guys that we haven't already interviewed at the, uh, at the All-Star Games in January. The interview process at the combine is intriguing to me because it's like 15 minutes of speed dating. Explain how that works. Yeah, and it's, it's actually, it was changed this year to um we used to get 60 interviews now we only get 45 and they lengthen them from 15 minutes to 18 minutes now um so that that was part of the the logistical adjustments they had to make with moving the workouts from during the day to now at nighttime and prime time on tv um so that uh you know that that throws throws a little bit of a, a wrench in our schedule but um but you know we'll adjust, and, and it is it is nice to have an additional three minutes with these guys. You know maybe some extra tape that we can throw on to ask them a specific question about you know whatever the the play may have been on such and such game. Um, you know in the third quarter, you know you, you can really dial in on some of those details. You can get a good feel for their personality, their intelligence. Um, you know even even some of their leadership leadership and charisma will shine through in that setting. So. It's really beneficial. I know it's only, in this case, 18 minutes, 15 minutes in the past. But you do, with, with interviewing those guys back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, you can make comparisons, and, and it's, uh, it's really beneficial for us. I think, I think you get more out of it than you would think, you know, just, just uh, thinking about it going in with, um, you know, having never been in one of those, uh, one of those interviews. You, I think you, you do get a good amount out of it, but then there will be other guys that we want to bring into the facility on, on, a, on a visit into uh, into Cincinnati uh, to our facility to do more work on. In those interviews, do you have a s- standard list of questions that you basically ask everybody, or is it highly tailored to each player? A little bit of both. There, there's some basic questions that we like to get out of the way in the beginning. You know, get the guy talking, get him comfortable, um, and then we'll we'll dive into um, you know, like I said, it, the. the the early portion of the of the interview will be more so their personality, intelligence, just basic questions like that. Um, some of them are repeats, and some of them are, are a little more tailored to the guy. And then when we when we uh, have him go, you know, look at the tape with the position coach, it'll be more specifically tailored to that guy and and uh, you know how he learns. You know, they'll they'll tell us about their offense or defense, and just talking through X's and O's. And a lot of times the the players are a lot more they're a lot more comfortable in that setting talking about football than they than they maybe are uh, things off the field so it's a it's a good process we're talking to the Bengals director of college scouting Mike Potts after the combine the scouts and the coaches will uh, go to pro days from coast to coast you'll get to see players that were not invited to the combine but is there anything else about the pro days specifically that you find valuable I think um, so. So I'll sit down with with all of our position coaches and all of our scouts at the combine. A lot of what we do is based on guys that maybe didn't work out at the combine for a medical reason or, or whatever the case may be. And so that would be a guy that you know some of our coaches or scouts haven't seen in person. So 
we'll schedule it that way. Um, so it, it, it may be a guy that we're seeing work out, you know, up close and personal for the first time. Uh, so that's that's one big benefit we get. And then, you know, if it's a, you know, I, I didn't I didn't go in every school in the country this year as a scout. So if it's a school that maybe I didn't hit during the fall, um, and you know, likewise with with some of our other scouts and coaches, they may have a connection on the coaching staff or support staff at one of those schools. So you can follow up and do more homework on the prospects' personality and things like that. And you know, it's just it's just more of a, you know. To, to further further the uh, the amount of amount of information we get on the guys as, as both players and people your territory during the season includes the SEC so roughly how many times do you think you saw Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa over the last couple of years oh I'd have to I'd have to count it up I've, I've seen them both multiple times at in both a game setting and in practice I would say over the past Two years, I probably had five or six live exposures at least to to both of those guys. Uh, like I said, in in multiple different settings. So that's I mean I'm I'm big on that as a, as a scout. I I think in order to have conviction and really really feel like hey this is the guy that we need to take. You need to see him in person. You need to see him at a game, especially the quarterback position uh, that you mentioned with those two guys. You want to see how their teammates respond to him on the sideline. You know you want to see how they interact with everybody. You want to see how they respond to adversity, you know, taking a big hit or throwing an interception, whatever it may be. And those are things that you can't pick up uh, as far as as far as far just, just watching the film. You were a college quarterback and went to training camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zach Taylor was a highly successful college quarterback. Duke Tobin was a college quarterback. Mike Brown was a college quarterback years ago. In a draft where you are in a position to take the first choice of any quarterback in this draft, if that's the way you elect to go, is it advantageous to have so many quarterbacks in the building? Absolutely. You know, different guys have different experiences, and being in the huddle and, you know, changing protections at the line of scrimmage, reading coverages, having been in that position um, is is invaluable, in my opinion, and to have guys that have done it at different levels, you know, at different levels of college football, different levels of professional football, um, you know, the more the more perspectives, the, the better, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and we'll get together, you know, scouts, coaches, you know, whether you play the position or not, everybody will get together and, and have opinions on this thing. And, and you know, we'll, we'll work our way through it and we'll, and we'll make the best selection for the Bengals. Where do you think this draft is deep? Oh, man, it's, it's a good draft. I, I would say off the top of my head, both lines of scrimmage are very strong. The receiver class has been, as has been widely publicized, is, uh, is a very strong group. Uh, so those are the two that that stand out off the top of my head. Um, you know, you mentioned some of these quarterbacks. There's there's uh, there's some good quarterbacks, and then you know at the top of the draft, and and you know that you could potentially get in the second, third, fourth round as well. Um, so I, I think we're really excited about a, a about a lot of different positions. I couldn't just sit here and say you know there, there's one position that it's really deep at, um, you know, glaring way way above the rest. We are meeting at two in the afternoon. You had a meeting with the staff earlier today. What are the, the types of things that you guys are, are meeting and discussing right now? So this week we've been meeting about the uh, unrestricted free agents as far as our game plan, putting, putting together target lists um, as far as who we want to attack in the, in the free agent market on the pro personnel side of things. So we've been doing that this week, um, organizing everything, you know, getting the, the ownership, the scouts and the coaches all together and everybody on the same page as far as as far as getting the plan together and I think that's went really smoothly everybody's 
everybody's had some you know really really good discussions and uh, and it's been really productive so we've been meeting on that this week and then next week what we're going to do is uh, go through all the underclassmen I think there was 121 of them that came out early for the draft this year so we'll be meeting on all those guys next week we already have grades on all those guys and we've been watching them all fall it's just we like to wait and um, and wait till they officially declare for the draft before we before we actually study and talk about their character and their medical and what you know how we see them as a player and and everything uh, we like to wait until they actually come out for the draft and are officially in the 2020 draft before you know we you know we meet on the seniors in December we could meet on some of the juniors that we think are going to come out but they, then you end up uh, it ends up being inefficient if you if you end up talking and, and using time on guys that don't actually end up declaring early for the draft so uh, that's what we'll be working on over the over the next couple of weeks, and that'll take us right into the combine. We're talking to the Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. The first day of the draft is April twenty third. When will your draft board take shape? Well, well, we'll have these. Like I said, we'll have these meetings next week. That'll that'll put the juniors and the seniors all together for our initial draft board going into the combine. We'll go through the combine and the pro day process, make some tweaks here and there, and then we have our final meetings. It's uh, you know the first two or three weeks, roughly of, of April, is when we'll do that. So it'll be it'll be pretty much set. The uh, I would say a week or so before the draft, it'll be pretty much set. And then we're always you know all the way up until the day before the draft, we're we're making last minute tweaks. Um, but you know it'll it'll be set position by position how we see those guys ranked. And then we have to combine all of those positions together, and like you said, rank them one to thirty-three, rank them one to sixty-five, you know, and so forth. Uh, you know, because if if so and so goes, then you know this is our plan. If if this guy goes, who's who is uh, you know our our top-ranked guy, three selections before our our pick, then you know we move on to this guy. You know, so um, we just have to be ready for for every scenario and. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we have to be ready for trades. If there's a guy that we have ranked in our top 10 and, you know, we're at pick 25 and he's still there, we have to be prepared to uh, have a plan of attack to, to uh, you know, see what it, what it would take to acquire a player like that. It's almost like you have two top 10 picks this year because you get Jonah Williams back, the first offensive lineman taken in last year's draft, who unfortunately did not play. How does Jonah compare to the top offensive tackles in this draft? Oh, he's he's right up there. Um, Jonah was a guy I think we uh, we all were very high on. Um, you know, the, I'd have to go through player by player to to compare them one by one. But you know, he would he would be right at the at the top. Uh, you know, equal to or better than the majority of the of the guys in this draft, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, everybody. You know, that that's my opinion. You know, every scout or coach may have a slightly different opinion, but. Uh, I don't. I don't think too many people would say he'd be he'd be far off from from what's available in this draft. So, obviously, it was really unfortunate that he couldn't play at all his rookie year. But like you said, it it is a uh, it is going to be nice having him back uh, for the 2020 season. People have stories to write and talk shows to fill. It's a lot of chatter between now and April 23rd, and and Joe Burrow's name has has come up in a wide variety of places. Are you listening to uh, all of this Joe Burrow talk? No, I, I don't think you can you can listen to it. There, there's got to be you know headlines, and there's going to be headlines regardless of of what the situation is. I think I think from our perspective, we're just worried about what's going on in this building. You know, we're we're watching the watching the film. We're calling these players, coaches on the phone, and and getting gathering more and more information as we go throughout the process. And like you said, for for the first time in in a week and a half or so at the combine, we'll have the first time to 
sit down and, and look look these guys in the eye and, and talk to them face to face. So, you know that that stuff is is out of our control. Who's gonna who's gonna make the headlines and who's gonna create stories, whether they have credibility or they don't have credibility. Um, so I think we would be you know it would be taking us away from what's really the most important thing at hand uh, for for us. It would be taking us away from that if we were spending too much time worrying about what's what's in the news. So you get to talk to 45 guys at the Combine for 18 minutes apiece. Do you have that list of 45? We do. We actually had to submit that on Tuesday of this week. So we have we submit that to, to the Combine and through the league, and um, we have those 45 guys set. And we will, uh, like I said, we'll be a lot of them will, be, will end up being underclassmen just because we, we coach a lot of these guys at the Senior Bowl. So we do have that leg up advantage on um, – on some teams, as far as the exposure that we got to a lot of the seniors at the at the down in, down in Mobile, so that is uh, that is something that we're going to use to our advantage and use the information that we gathered for that week down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, there still will be seniors that we that we do formal interviews with at the combine, but I think this gives us a chance to to really focus on on some of the underclassmen that we don't you know have as much face to face exposure with at this point in the process. It's a really busy time for you and the other guys on the staff. I know you're going to be spending a lot of time on the road coming up, so uh, best of luck, and uh, we look forward to April 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, please give it a rating or share a comment. Five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.